Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams and VoiceOver Insider Editor Gary McFadden. I'm so glad you tuned in to our VoiceOver Insider Podcasts, where we bring VoiceOver Insider information directly to you. You can sign up to be notified every time we've got a new free podcast or other insider information regarding voiceovers at voiceoverinsider.com. I'm Julie Williams. Coming up in just a few, we're going to have a McFadden Minute. But first, let's talk with Joe Cipriano. He's America's premier voiceover talent, vocally representing America's top television networks, TV shows, and movies. You hear Joe Cipriano every day on the radio, on TV, and in movie theaters, even if you don't know it. For years, the signature voice of Fox Network. He's also the voice of CBS Network Comedies, voicing promos for Two and a Half Men, Mike and Molly, The Talk, and The Simpsons on Fox. And he is the in-show announcer for top-rated shows like America's Got Talent, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, um, Hollywood Game Night, Deal or No Deal, the Primetime Emmy Awards, Grammy Awards. PGA Awards, and many more. So, yeah, you think you've heard them? I'm thinking you have. Joe, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast today. Thanks, Julie. It's great to be here. I really appreciate it. So what do you do in your free time? (laughs) (laughs) I look for work. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It doesn't seem like you have a whole lot of free time with all that you do. You know, it's it's something. uh, Ann and I, we just got back from a little trip about a week and a half. We went to Florida to visit friends and family. And you know how it is. Uh, You know, the laptop that uh, I'm talking to you on right now it's a MacBook Air. I just bring that with me in a 416 microphone and headphones. And, and you know, wherever you are, you just kind of set up a little spot that's quiet. And uh, we're so fortunate we're able to do our work uh, from wherever we are. So I do get to, you know, go on trips and have fun, and, and which is really uh, wonderful and pretty special. Yeah, I like that. I like the freedom of being able to go, you know, wherever you need to and not worry about not being able to work while you're there. With today's technology, that's pretty darn amazing. You yes. and I both remember the days before this kind of technology. I know. You know, it's funny. I, it, for A part of it is uh, that we're kind of dumbing down the quality of audio. But then the other side of it is uh, the equipment has gotten so much better. Yeah. Um, if you have a little bit of knowledge, you can go a long way with it and, and make it sound good. But yes, the old days, you go to a studio and the, the mixer would come into the booth and set the microphone precisely so that it's right at the perfect location. And of course, all of that art of it is is kind of gone now. Yeah. In addition to the board, they had so much equipment that we wouldn't even recognize there that I wouldn't even know what to do with today. Right. And, and they can fix, you know, with EQ and uh, all sorts of other, you know, plugins. Um, if they're starting off with a source audio coming from us that maybe isn't pristine and perfect, there's a lot that they can do with it to clean it up. Yeah, I don't miss the days when um, when we couldn't do a voiceover from home in our own studio in our bathing suits and then you know <laughs> pop in the pool in the summer in between sessions. You know, I don't yeah. miss those days. <laughs> Well, Joe, what kind of uh, what kind of skills does it take? You do mostly like promo and uh, and announcing, um, like live show announce and stuff. Uh, what kind of skills does it take to do that particular genre of voiceover? I, you know, and, and that's true. There, there, there's a skill set for all the different genres of voiceover. Overall, for everything that we do, it all comes down to storytelling. So, I mean, that's the underlying kind of uh, skill. Um, and that's something that you can work on and learn and, um, 
you know, get better and better at. So, you know, it always starts with that base. You are telling a story. In promos, you're telling a story that maybe only lasts 30 seconds or 20 seconds, 15, mm -hmm. 10 seconds. And, um, but what's really important for promo, especially uh, the kind that we do for network, uh, where the, the spot is already cut, it's already gone through edit and approval, it's got music in it, it has effects, uh, and you're pretty much talking in between the sound on tape. Um, so you're, you're talking, you know, for 2.2 seconds, and then you sit back while the sound on tape comes up, and then you have 3.4 seconds. And so timing is, is very, very important. And after your first pass, you kind of get a feel for, okay, I see on the first one, I have a little bit more time. The second one's got to be quicker. And especially when you have to read something quicker, there is that art to it that, you know, after doing it many, many times, you compress what you have to, uh, you know, what you have to fit in, not by rushing the last three words, but by kind of compressing the overall line mm -hmm. and keeping it consistent so it doesn't sound like you start off slow, but then you have to end up real quick. <laughs> and still be a storyteller at the same time, of course. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, within the genre of promo, there are comedy promos, there's reality promos, drama promos. So uh, there's acting that comes into it as well and interpreting the copy, which is uh, always extremely important, and coming up with uh, the delivery, the sound, the, uh, the mood that you're, you're trying to uh, create. Right. And they're all going to have a different feel. Um, yes. So do you find it that at this level, the writing, because it's very unusual for me, who I do, my bread and butter is storytelling, but it's in narration and e-learning and explainer videos and, and sometimes commercials. Mm -hmm. And um, I raise the price when they want me to time it to something, because typically in that genre, those genres, they, uh, they'll, they'll fit everything to the voice, not fitting mm -hmm. the voice into a created mm -hmm. promo already. So I see. Do you find that the the uh, writing is better to time at your level? Uh, you know, if you're doing a network promo, uh, you're working with people, not only the writers, but the editors, uh, the mixers, everybody that's involved. Um, they've all gone through what we've gone through. You know, we've we started out in our careers. We worked on our craft. And, you know, the goal is to get better and better and better. So you are working when you're at a network sort of a thing or, or, or working in movie trailers, you, you know, everybody around you is at a very high level. So mm -hmm. the writing is good. It's scrutinized. Um, it's rewritten. The spots are recut over and over again. Uh, they're, they're looked at. Uh, you know, by so many different eyes, uh, for example, at the I network at CBS, you know, it, it starts off with the writer producer who views the show and then kind of comes up with a concept on how they're going to do the marketing for that particular show. Right. Uh, they'll cut the idea, you know, uh, using uh, snippets from the show itself, kind of write the, the story that they're, they're trying to create, play it for their bosses. They get notes. They go back. They re-edit. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the writing ends up uh, being very good, even though they're only writing in little 30 second chunks. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's still there's a lot of thought going into it, a lot of creativity. It's always fun to see a spot that's out of the norm where it's not just Monday on CBS. It's an all new blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's, you know, something that's different and kind of, you know, pushes the envelope a little bit.
So let's say there's somebody listening to this podcast that would like to get into doing TV promos, network promos, and mm-hmm. it seems like you guys have it all wrapped up. So what are they supposed to do? Let's say they've got the demo, they've got the talent, um, but it seems like you guys have it all wrapped up. How can they break in? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you one thing about it all being wrapped up. I think uh, uh, that certainly was true maybe about um, 8 to 10 to 12 years ago. Um but, you know, once 1994 hit, uh, once ISDN became more uh, in use by all of the vendors and, and also the networks, it opened up uh, the opportunity to hire talent that doesn't just live in the Los Angeles area. Right. So, in fact, there are more um, opportunities for voiceover people who are up and coming to have that shot at uh, doing network promo or, or whatever it is that they aspire to do um, by, by the sheer numbers of networks that are out there, both broadcast and cable, and also the availability of being able to hook up with anybody. So the opportunities are better than they have ever been. At the same time, that makes it very even more difficult uh, you know, than, than having a handful holding on to it. Now you're not only trying to break in through, you know, a handful of voices that are doing it. There are hundreds of voices that are doing network promos now. Mm -hmm. There's a different voice for just about every single show that's on the network. The the style of marketing changed. It used to be uh, that a network would want one voice to represent the network, say, in comedies, which is what I was very fortunate to do in Fox. Uh, And so you had a voice for comedies, Don LaFontaine was our voice for dramas. And you pretty much had two, three, four people that did the whole network. Mm -hmm. And as I said, now it's a different voice for for every show. So you've got that going for you. You know, the opportunity is there. They're always looking for new voices. Shows are always being canceled or the run is over and there are new shows coming in all the time. And the only way you're going to do it in network uh, television is you do have to have an agent. Uh, You're probably not going to have a, a... you know, uh, much luck doing it on your own. So you need to have an agent that um, has those connections and specializes in promos. Um, You know, there's plenty of them on the East Coast and West Coast. So where do you find an agent that specifically specializes in promos? Do they advertise that? I've never seen that myself. No, they don't. It's something that the way that you really find out about this is speaking to people who do promo, speaking to voiceover people who are into promo. They know the agents that specialize. For example, in New York City, the Buckwald Agency uh, does a lot of promo work. Uh, Abrams does a lot. Atlas does a lot. Uh, Paradigm uh, in Los Angeles. My agency is SBV, Sutton, Barth, and Venari. Um, there's a Solid Talent that does a lot. DPN, uh, TGMD. Um, these are all agencies that, while they represent a lot of commercial people and narrators and, you know, a lot of very talented people, they also are very much in the know for uh, high-level promo gigs. Right, right. Um, you know what? I've noticed that uh, your wife, Anne Cipriano, um, wrote a successful book. Now, did you write it with her? Did the two of you write this book, Living on the Air, Adventures in Broadcasting? We, we did uh, write it together, yes. Um, it was something that I, I've always was looking for something to do with Anne. And yeah. I would propose all different ideas uh, that's something we could work on. Um, and I came up with the idea of doing uh, uh, a memoir 
uh, talking about, because I, I get these questions all the time about, well, my career started in radio. How do you get into radio? And how right. do you get out of radio and get into voice? <laughs> or, you know, it's, it's all of these things. And of I course, that went a lot yeah, too. living on the air, which I've done since I was 14 years of age, um, I had a lot of stories that to tell. And uh, hopefully the, the intent was to kind of inspire people um, to never give up, uh, to keep working at their dreams. You know, it's, it's the folks who never give up that succeed and um you know applying yourself to whatever your goal is every single day and and don't miss a day of it and so Anne agreed to do the the book with me and and we wrote it together and uh you know I would write a chapter I would send it to her she would add her input change things around send it back to me and we pretty much wrote the entire book uh like that it took us about 3 years uh to do it but it was great to work with her she's an emmy award winning news producer uh, news writer. Uh, this was the first time that she had written, uh, you know, a, a, a book, uh, written a memoir, uh, mm. and first time for me as well. So we did it together, and it was it really was a, a fun project for the two of us to work on. Well, you won two voice arts awards for this movie and for your narration of the audiobook. Uh, yes, for the for the uh, book, the audiobook, we we won two in uh, author uh, narration and also in biography. And I just found out that uh, the Audio Publishers Association, uh, the Audis, uh, uh, the Audis, excuse me, not the Audis, mm-hmm. the Audis, um, uh, just uh, put us in the finals in autobiography and memoir for awesome. uh, the narration of that. And that's the that's really a biggie. I mean, that's all. That's huge. Magazine. That's that's like you're going to the Grammys, and whether you win or not, that's huge. Oh yeah. I mean, to be nominated, and in our in our category, there are five: um, Gail Sheehy, who's a famous author; uh, Rebecca Mead; uh, uh, Alan Cumming, and Amy Poehler's uh, book. Um, and she uh, did the narration on it as well. And our little book, you know, our, our book is a is a self published book, and we we did the audio book on our own. Maurice Tobias, who's a really wonderful um, uh, voice coach, was the director. AJ McKay was uh, did the audio design for it, and uh, Greg Chun, who's a composer, also voiceover artist, uh, created all the original music. And the intent was what I always wanted to do with the audiobook was make it more like a radio play with a lot of music and sound effects and kind of immerse people into the story. And I think, uh, you know, we had success. I, I was happy with the outcome. We're so honored to, to, you know, be the only self-published book in this list here uh, mm-hmm. of uh, books that, you know, are from major publishers. So it's, it's really amazing for us. Well, congratulations. That's, that's huge. Thanks. Oh, have you have you had a chance to listen to the audio? I have not had a chance to listen to the audio book, but I did work in radio for I guess I left radio after about 35 years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, I was doing voiceover all along, but I just left to, you know, make the leap to full time voiceover after, you know, um, an event that happened at a radio station. Uh And I loved it there. I was there for 13 years, but that's why I stayed so long. And where was that? Where what city? Actually, it was K-Love Radio Network. So we had 8 million listeners. They've probably got more now. 8 million listeners all over the country. Wow. Um, hundreds of stations. So I really couldn't tell you. Yeah, Denver, yeah. New York City, Riverside, you know, San Antonio, Sacramento, yeah. um, Chicago. I, you know, I, I couldn't possibly name them all Phoenix. But um, 
but I did multiple shifts there. And then, you know, after 13 years, it was just time to go. Yeah. Um, mostly, you know, you can work full-time radio. And there it really was full-time, not like the typical show up for your four-hour shift and go home like it used to be. Um, and then come home and do full-time voiceover, you know, right. I mean, because it's a full-time job. And then so I had two full-time jobs and, you know, something's got to give. Sure. Yeah. So, but, you know, I was intrigued by the book because of, um, you know, working in radio for so long. And, you know, we've all got those stories. In fact, when I was started, uh, I worked with Bo Weaver way back like 30 years wow. ago. And he put together, he spliced together with a razor blade my first voiceover demo. <laughs> That's great. I'd done some voiceovers, but I didn't have a demo. So in a radio station production room in Houston, Texas. How about that? Oh, <laughs> he wow. spliced it together. So, yeah, uh, I'm a radio person from way, way, way back. Yeah, yeah, me too. We share that background, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, people say, it's funny because people say, well, you know, a lot of uh, radio people can't be storytellers because they've just learned to announce everything, right, you know? Right, right. And people will say to me, well, no wonder you do narration because you're from radio. Uh, like, no, the reason I get to do all the narrations is because they're from radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, narrations, they want storytellers too. Sure, yeah. So, you know, that's the whole key. It's all about storytelling. Exactly. That's, that's like we, we were saying, that's the underlying, that's something you, you, you begin with and you build on top of that. You know. And that really just means, for, for those of you that are new, that really just means communicating, yeah. yeah, talking. And the story is the client's message, whatever the message is. It's just talking. So whether you're doing the voice announce like Joe does or, or say, um, doing an e-learning explainer video or something like that, mm -hmm. or, or someone's doing a commercial, where, uh, or even, here's the big thing. I teach a lot of medical narration. The top coaches send their people to me. And even some of those coaches were saying, you mean... You're still doing storytelling in a medical narration? <laughs> um, duh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they think it's all about the words, but it's not. It's always about the message. Sure. It's, it's always about connecting with someone else and connecting on a level where they can relate. You know, relatability, it's, uh, it's so important. And, uh, and, you know, what I always say about it, it's marketing for, for what I do in promos, it's constantly changing. And just because mm -hmm. you worked in 2005 doesn't mean you're going to work in 2015. You have to stay relevant and, and understand, you know, the trends and how, how um, you know, styles change and keep up with that. Um, there's no right. such thing as I have made it. Now I can relax and just work. You always have to continue to learn and continue to grow. Now, that's a good point, because I think some people have that idea that I'm going to go until I have made it. Yeah. Um, and when you have that idea, I, I think you kind of, uh, you might make a certain goal and then you're never happy with it either because that's the, you know, the idea, here's what I learned a long time ago from radio because you get fired so often. Right. Um, is, you know, don't, don't live where you have to work, yeah. work where you want to, I mean, live where you want to and get work there. Yeah. Yeah. Because life isn't more important. Definitely. And we can do that in this industry. It doesn't do you any good to, to work 24 seven. I mean, no. uh, and you know what, you're, you're just going to burn out if you do that. And, um, you know, there are people that say, well, you know, I'm so busy, uh, folks that are doing, uh, you know, pay to play sites and maybe they're not charging, um, you know, uh, scale rates and they're working below scale. I think if, if you're working nonstop like that, I think the smart thing to do is to increase your rate and yeah, think yeah. you're working for the upper echelon, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and you could still make the same amount of money, but 
work 25, 30% less, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to burn yourself out. Right. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Joe. We've been talking with Joe Cipriano, and uh, I really appreciate the t- the time that you've taken um, to spend with our listeners and our readers of the VoiceOver Insider free VoiceOver magazine. Um, and we look forward to hearing what's happening on after the Audio Awards in uh, the Memorial Day weekend, right? It's uh, May twenty May twenty eighth. Is that is that Memorial Day? I'm not sure, but it's usually like right around yeah. Memorial Day when they have the Audi. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, are you going? Well, oh, yeah. Ann and I are going to New York City. Our daughter lives in New York City, so it gives us a, a chance. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we'll be there. Uh, I have to tell you, you know, a lot of people always say, gosh, it was such an honor to be uh, nominated, but it couldn't be more true. <laughs> I mean, no, I know. I, I was a finalist for an Audi. Uh, my first audiobook I ever did, I was a finalist for an Audi. But as luck would have it, the, I was up against um, the Promise Bible that had Richard Dreyfus and Patrick Stewart and Jim Caviezel and a whole bunch of other folks yeah. in it. <laughs> I saw that and thought, okay, honor to be a finalist. Right. That's exactly. where it ends. We've got Amy Poehler in our category. <laughs> along yeah. with the voices of the entire cast of Saturday Night Live. So, Uh-oh. good luck. <laughs> well, we'll be looking forward to seeing how you do. I'm going to be keeping up on that for sure. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate it. And now, the McFadden Minute. Hey, I once overheard myself described as a stand-up guy, and I felt honored. Unfortunately, in my voiceover work, I'm not a stand-up guy. I'm talking about standing versus sitting while you voice copy, and it's a question that comes up often, especially among newbies. Different voiceover artists have different opinions on this. Rodney Salisbury, a recent guest on the VoiceOver Insider podcast, talks about how his home studio setup is designed for standing. He feels that he gets his best chance at getting the emotion of his read while he's standing up. The late Vanessa Hart, who specialized in audiobooks, said she did all of her narrating while seated. There are a lot of good reasons to stand. Standing removes the compression on the muscles you use to breathe and allows you to take deeper breaths. I can also feel more resonance in my voice when I'm standing up. Plus, you can be more animated, getting your whole body into the performance. I'd like to have the chance to be a stand-up guy. Unfortunately, the closet I'm using as my sound booth has a 5-foot 7-inch ceiling, and I'm six feet four inches tall, so I have to duck a little just to get into the booth, and there's no way I'm going to stand up. Since I do mostly audiobooks and long-form narration, the seated posture hasn't really been a limitation. I don't think I'd want to try narrating a nine-hour audiobook while standing. But if you've got a setup where you can try it both ways, do the same read both standing and seated, and listen for a difference in the results. Oops, my time's up. I gotta go. See you next time. You've been listening to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams. Be sure to join us next week for more VoiceOver Insider information and another edition of the McFadden Minute.